0: The DIMP Digital Network presents Flashback. Ranger! Ranger! Pity I have to kill you. You would make a strong slave. Hello, welcome to this edition of Before the Bell. This time I'm going to give you my thoughts on Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor uh, which I've been playing through over the last few days or so. Uh, If you want to know a little bit more about the game, who developed it, the publisher, all that sort of stuff that will be below in the description so check that out. Uh, I'm going to jump straight into my cards on the table So only only a few points really. Um, I've been playing the game for about five hours. I'm playing on the PS4. And probably the most important thing to to note here is that I'm not actually a massive fan of the Lord of the Rings franchise. So I'm not sort of in touch with the lore of of the universe. I'm not in touch with how it should be, the tone of it, all that sort of stuff. I'm coming out and playing this game purely from a video game perspective. So Shadow of Mordor feels a lot like a distant cousin of Assassin's Creed. Um, as you're running around climbing up and over structures everything will feel quite familiar if you've played the assassin's creed franchise uh, using one button to, to scale up and over objects is right out of the ubisoft playbook so you're going to feel at home here unfortunately the, the free run is actually nowhere near as smooth or as intuitive as assassin's creed i've found many times that i'm bumbling around, bumping into objects and walls rather than gliding straight over them Um, I think part of this is to do with some of the level design personally and the the structures Um, whatever it does, whatever it is though it it does sort of mark Shadow Mordor down a little bit coming back to them feeling like Assassin's Creed you've even got a Wraith mode which is, uh, you can switch on and off which is eerily similar to Eagle Vision so it's not really bringing much new to the table Thankfully, uh, apart from the awkward moments I have had when I've been trying to imitate Ezio, the, the rest of Shadow of Mordor is, is very entertaining. The combat's slick, it plays plays very nicely. Um, again, they're, they're boring from another well-known franchise in the Batman series, but it's implemented very well. Counters, dodging, executions, ground finishes, they're all simple to, to pull off as long as you, you battle sensibly uh, and, and approach things in the right way. If you fancy filling the herd before going into battle, you can crack out your elf bow for some ranged attacks, do some headshots, or you can you can sneak up behind the orcs and, and silently wipe them out with your dagger. The good thing is you've got options on how you want to how you can approach every situation, which is one of the game's finest assets. Uh, the options you have are invaluable when you're taking on the more powerful enemies, such as the captains or the war chiefs. These are essentially the, the most powerful walks that I've encountered so far, and they each have different strengths and weaknesses, which you actually can use to your advantage and exploit. Again, there's more options here on how you're going to you can approach these mini bosses. It's all linked in brilliantly with the, with the Nemesis system, which I absolutely love. And the Nemesis system is essentially a dynamic hierarchy system where you, your actions in the game actually help shape and mould it. So, for example, if you kill a captain, uh, there'll be a new walk coming to replace them. If you die at the hands of a captain, he's going to increase in power, ranking, and respect within the orc hierarchy. You can even get wiped out by a run-of-the-mill orc, who will then be promoted into the captain structure themselves. It's a great system, and it's one that I'm having so much fun just playing around with all the different sort of things you can do. If a if a higher-powered orc is going to execute a lower-powered orc, That's a chance for you to wipe out the higher-powered orc um, when he's got his his hands full. And then thus, a lower-powered orc will probably be promoted into his place. So again, more options into the game. The voice works. It is brilliant. Hearing the orcs just say bollocks to this as they're fleeing is absolute gold and it gives the game so much character there's hunting challenges side quests collectibles these these are all okay and they offer an optional distraction if you fancy it. it's not really something i tend to get too invested in myself it's not really that engaging the game looks gorgeous and it captures the tone of the world brilliantly it's a very violent game which pleases me because i was expecting it to be Pandering towards sort of a, a teen or a child audience, but it is very bloody in places, which I, I appreciate. They're not putting any punches. The map is small, but it's nice and busy, so there's not a lot of uh, empty places, and it doesn't take too long to transverse across the map. Uh, especially if you've dominated a, a beast, which you can use uh, to in combat or just running across the map. And again, this is great fun to do, um, and again gives you more options how to how to approach a fight the grading of Shadow of Mordor so it's going to be a silver Um, the story isn't really gripping me at the moment and that might be because I'm not interested in Lord of the Rings as much as many people are Um, but the things like the free running does wind me up That it's not very smooth and I'm having a few problems with it and the fact that it's pretty much everything in the game apart from the Nemesis system is a rip off from other games Um, so there's no real originality that they've, they've put out here for this with the exception of what I've just said, though, everything else is fantastic. Um, the things they have stolen, for the most part, work very, very well. And it's not really a, a fault of the game. It, it plays brilliantly, and I'm enjoying sort of every second I've had of it. But it doesn't offer enough in terms of doing anything new. Uh, so overall, Middle-Earth, Shadow of Mordor, silver. Thanks for your time, and Ta-da! say is true, then how do we break this curse? We find the one who cast it on us, the Black Hand of Sauron. Welcome to Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, After the Bell. I've clocked the game so it's time to take a look and see how the experience was as a whole. If you haven't watched Before the Bell, Shadow of Mordor, I highly suggest you go back and watch that first as I'm going to skim over some points in this After the Bell video and just going to give you a more rounded view and an idea of what this game is actually about. Pretty much everything that I mentioned in Before the Bell still stands, it shamelessly rips off Assassin's Creed and Batman but in terms of the gameplay you cannot fault it. It's very intuitive, it's it's, it's slick and you, you can pick up and play it and start lopping off orcs heads in no time. The voice acting and the musical score is spot on, it looks great and the sheer amount of options that you have to take down the Dark Lord's army is brilliant. However the game simply doesn't twist your arm to make you use all of these options. Pretty much every captain or war chief that you come across can be killed with little or no preparation and that means that their strengths and weaknesses become irrelevant. This is in stark contrast to earlier in the game when you're very cautious of these seemingly difficult mini bosses but as soon as you grow in confidence and a bit of stature you realise you're able to cut them down. Uh, you are given the option to dominate orcs at some point, so it adds an interesting twist to how you take on the, the captain war chiefs. Do you kill them or do you dominate them and have them work on your side? Which means you can you can pit them against other captains, or if they're a bodyguard of a war chief, they can betray them. So, again, plenty of dis, dis, the options here at your disposal. But Shadow of Maw doesn't force you to mix things up why would you go through all the hassle of dominating a, a, a captain starting a riot starting a ruckus when you can go route one and wipe them out and this has a a, a knock-on effect to all parts of the game the, the the side quests become irrelevant well first of all the side quests are not side quests at all they glorified challenges there's, there's no mini-story involved in these. Like you're getting in a, in a game, say, like Skyrim. It's just kill 50 orcs or stealth kill 80 orcs without being seen or headshot 10 orcs in a set time limit. You know, you get the picture. The f- and the fact that you don't actually need to upgrade your ranger to, to power through and get to the end of the main campaign makes these completely irrelevant, these, these challenges. There's there's no narrative to sink your teeth into. So why would you bother to, what, earn 50 coins? behave it's, it's a bad bit of structure and there's just no importance to these these quests at all and I, I played a handful of them and then completely left them alone overall the you know shadow of mordor for me is a massive missed opportunity the nemesis system is there to be used abused and experimented with but there's no drive to do this you'll soon be powering through the world cutting things down left right and center in your search for the end the story is okay, I guess. Um, I'm not a fan of Lord of the Rings, as I've mentioned in before the bell. So there's probably going to be people that have a far different opinion than I do, whether it's you know, you know, right by the franchise and right by the law. But for me, it was okay. But the the main campaign structure is bloody terrible, and it, and it gets worse as the game goes on. It's a handful of sort of main bosses in the game, and the first one you encounter is easily the most interesting. And, you know, the, the the bosses just get easier as they go on. And it's bizarre. It's a complete, you know, opposite way of doing things in, in, in terms of designing your video game and how it, you know, reaches this climax. The game isn't bad, though. It, far from it. But I'm, I just find myself so frustrated at Shadow of Mordor trying to play it safe. It lays all these interesting tools out on the table that, that you can make use of. But it makes it too obvious that just using one tactic is going to work. So I imagine, you know, that your experience of this game is going to come down to how you actually play it. If you're happy to ignore the easy route, then you can certainly have a lot of fun with Shadow of Mordor. And, you know, hand on heart, I had great moments in this game, I really did. Nonetheless, you shouldn't have to force yourself to take the hard road with a game that has so many variables, so many avenues for you to explore so many different ways of approaching things, mixing things up should be the only option for you to succeed in Shadow of Mordor and it's not the case. Uh, I'm ready to give Shadow of Mordor its official grading so here we go. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor's official after the bell grading is Bronze. so disappointing that Shadow of Mordor moves down from a silver to a bronze but um that's the fact of life of playing video games sometimes they, they start off with, with promise and set high expectations but then by the end you, you feel a little bit deflated and the game sizzled out and that's what happened with Shadow of Mordor here it um, certainly had me on the hook to start with but then as I was getting towards the final third of the game it really did Slow down, and I, you know, I was just using route one, and that got me through the game. And that's disappointing because, in my view, that's a flaw in the design of the game. You should, with all these options, there, you should be forced to mix your game up, and you're not forced to mix your game up, which is disappointing. But what you got to remember, it's only disappointing. It's not a disaster. This game. It's still a bronze. It's still recommended, um, and I still think you should go out and play it. It's a great sort of action game and the combat's brilliant um, i love the voice work i'll keep saying that and i love the soundtrack so get out there and buy it but just don't expect the world because it's not going to deliver the world for you unfortunately just a heads up for what i'm going to be playing over the next few weeks so i've purchased murdered soul suspect um on ps4 for 15 pounds from zavi so that was a bargain that was a impulse buy i saw it and, and bought it so that's now going to be the next project i'll be working on that will push back sunset overdrive which i was planning to get this friday that will now be purchased um, once murdered Soul suspect is finished and i've traded it in for that so i'll get a little bit of cash back there got assassins creed unity that is on pre-order so that'll be the tail end of those sort of free games that i'll be playing through but they'll all come separately I'll only do one once I finish the other so they'll all come in their own sort of little sections but after Assassin's Creed Unity I don't know what I'll be getting after that so it'll be interesting to see what I pick and see what I can find and um hope to bring you some some more videos soon so again thanks very much for your time and ta-da the knob ain't even moving it's stuck watch it lady No, no, no. Hello, welcome to another edition of Before the Bell. This time I am going to give you my thoughts on murdered sole suspect. Before I get into anything in depth, let's just go through my cards on the table. So, first of all, I'm playing this on the PlayStation 4. Second of all, I bought this for a mere £15, so bargain price. And lastly, I'd done pretty much zero research on this game before buying it. It was a total impulse buy. I saw it for £15 on Xavi and got it. So I'm aware it didn't get the best reviews, but that's it. I don't know what to expect from the game or how to play it when I first booted it up. Now, in, in Murders, Soul suspect, you take the role of Ronan O'Connor, who's wiped out by a mysterious masked killer. And you're stuck in a, a purgatorial world where the only way to leave this world is to solve your own murder. So you're stuck in this halfway house, you can't go to sort of the end life and you can't leave the sort of living life and you're stuck as a ghost in between the two. And essentially it's a detective game. So you'll be investigating crime scenes and examining clues. As you're actually a ghost, you do have some supernatural abilities that will aid you. So you can reveal short memories of people who had been at the the crime scene previously. You can eavesdrop witnesses chatting amongst themselves. And you can even possess people so you can listen to what is going through their mind. Or you can influence them to reveal some significant clues. These are all good ideas. Uh, They make make something new in a detective game and they're, they're, they're easy to pull off. So the experience is rather stress free outside working on specific crime scenes you're actually free to explore the small town of Salem here you'll find Ronan's memories that you can go through and get a bit more backstory on his life some collectibles and some actually half decent mini investigations where you tend to be helping another ghost discover how they came to their demise these offer some interesting distractions if you fancy a break from the main campaign in terms of action, there is very little. So if you want shooting, jumping and killing, you're not going to find that here. The closest you'll get is when these so-called demons uh, come out of the ground and are roaring around in your vicinity and you just avoid being detected by them and take them down using stealth. It's not great and seems a tad pointless to me. The game could have easily got through so far in my experience without having these in there and just having a straight sort of A to Z detective game. Soul Suspect does struggle technically. It looks very, very average. There's there's stuttering and the frame rate drops even when you're not doing anything exciting. Uh, The animations and movement of the on-screen personnel is extremely wooden and stiff. It it feels much like it has been designed with last gen in mind and simply been scaled up for the next gen. So maybe it was something they thought, well, it's gonna be easier to port this over. It seems like it's been made primarily on last gen hardware. Soul Suspect is going to actually own itself a bronze for now. Um, it's not shocking, um, but it's not offering anything other than a few interesting ideas or an entertaining detective puzzles. I will be finishing the game off, as I do with, with all my games, um, so expect an official after the bell grading in the near future. Um, but for now, thanks very much for your time, and ta-da! welcome to another episode of after the bell this time it's murdered soul suspect that is up for its official grading if you haven't seen the before the bell for soul suspect then i highly recommend you watch that before continuing with this for now though let's crack on so yes i am back already murdered soul suspect certainly isn't the longest game i've ever played I managed to do it in three sit-downs and I'm sure if you just focus on the main campaign alone there's no reason why you couldn't clock this in two or maybe even one. If you do want to extend the playthrough then I recommend you hunt down the collectible artefacts as they give an interesting backstory to the town as well as some of Ronan's past. Some of the collectibles reward you with a a ghost story about Salem so this could be based on a a murder from years ago or a, a finding of a corpse. They sound very cheesy but they're actually pretty good and, and one of the best aspects of Soul Suspect and I do wish more games you know, offered something in reward for collecting artifacts and doing side quests rather than just an achievement, a trophy or, or in-game currency. I actually thought the story was pretty good and certainly one of the stronger parts. You might think they're pushing the envelope too far and that it's not realistic. But if you do feel that way I'd ask you just to stop and look at what you're doing and what you're playing you're a bloody ghost what do you expect um, for me they had a license here and it, and it worked well and was certainly better than some of the other dross that I've played through in the past now the actual detective mechanics are very basic but they're very stress-free rather than just collecting evidence you're actually asked to piece together relevant facts in the correct order so You'll have bits of evidence that you pick up that are irrelevant and it's down to you to decide which ones are relevant and what order they play out to to answer the question of the crime scene. Um, It sounds harder than it is, but it's nice to know that you're not just wandering around picking up clues and doing nothing with them. I would have loved for them to introduce some form of interrogation or questioning mechanic. Um, I know there's an influence in type thing that's not really a question type thing I would have liked to be able to speak to someone who may be in their mind but apart from that there's no real complaints on that side of things as I mentioned before the bell the stealth combat isn't very good and I have to say finishing the game I have to say it's actually dreadful it's totally unnecessary and it's not implemented well it's clunky inconsistent it wrecks the pace of Soul Suspect it just seems like they, they had to bolt it on just to put some combat into the game um, it ends up affecting it negatively. I wish they'd just bin this off completely and left it as a straight detective game. Other gripes uh, include the rules that you have as being a ghost. So you can't just enter in any building that's in Salem. The door has to be left open for you to enter it. It does explain why in the beginning of the game, but it's not a very you know believable or type rule. It's just a load of old rubbish, if you ask me. Um, Outside, which is even worse in my opinion, this is the worst bit, in the town, you navigate through the town, there's, there's paths that you can take. But there's actually certain areas that are blocked off by ghostly remnants of Salem's past. Now I do understand why you can't enter buildings, because if you could enter all the buildings, that would be some mighty work to pull that off. But parts of the town being blocked off and paths being blocked just is a piece of nonsense. Absolute rubbish in, in my opinion. And Overall, I would say the game does feel rushed little or no fault as I said has been put into combat the rules that you have as a ghost forces you to, to play completely differently as how you'd expect to be a ghost and you're immediately reminded that you are just playing a video game. The game suffers technically, there's clipping, stuttering and, and constant frame rate drops however the, the game's story, originality and enticing side quests and collectibles keep soul suspects head just above water and as such murdered sole suspects after the bell grading is bronze i don't know about any contract please just stop the hell is this contract what what, what did he mean by contract no oh. this is the memory of your murder you're too young you shouldn't see this So there we have it, Murdered Soul Suspect scrapes itself a bronze and yes it does just about scrape itself a bronze. The technical issues that the game has and the the combat alone almost do enough to wreck the entire experience. Fortunately uh, exploring the world of Salem, collecting evidence and piecing together the story of the bell killer are entertaining and well executed. it is a niche of a game so it's not going to appeal to everyone. If you're into your Call of Duty, you're into your Grand Theft Auto, and you want all that action, you're not going to find that here. But if you're intrigued by a detective game, then I recommend you pick this up. And if you can find a bargain, then yes, definitely go out and grab this game. Um, it's probably not worth the full retail price, maybe because of it's length, but if you, I don't think many places are going to be selling it at the full price anyway. So. Out there and see if you can find yourself a bargain. I said Xavi, £15, it's definitely worth that sort of price, so keep your eyes peeled and, uh, and pick this up if you get a chance. Nothing else more for me to say apart from thanks for your time and ta da! Now, if I was a tree dwelling hillbilly, where would I keep my computer parts? Got gotcha, you, sum, bitch! Hello, welcome to sunset overdrive before the bell. I've had a couple of sit downs with sunset overdrive so I'm ready to give my initial thoughts. and it's before the bell grading. As always though, I am going to start with my cards on the table. First of all, I am playing this on the Xbox One as it is an Xbox One exclusive and I've probably only played about three and a half hours of the game. Um, which might not sound a lot but for me it was just about enough for me to give you this before the bell video and also grade it so let's crack on and see what happens. Um, First of all Sunset Overdrive is an out and out video game you might think I'm losing the plot in saying that but let me explain. When you play a game like The Last of Us um, for me the game is actually a vehicle to drive the brilliant narrative that's been written Uh, yes there's a game there and there's some fantastic gameplay mechanics for you to play through but I'd say that more than half the experience is just having that that excellent story unfold Um, what you're getting with Sunset Overdrive is the complete opposite now I can't go into the story and tell you what I think of it because I've not played it anywhere near enough to pass judgement on it but what is very very clear is that the story takes a back seat entertainment is king here and it really does rule the roost it's such a bright, colourful and loud game, the the art team have done a terrific job in making Sunset City welcoming and very original. It, it's a video gamers playground, you can bounce off cars, grind on telephone wires, blast fire out your hands, wall run, all whilst shooting enemies and blowing them up. Um, it's all here for you and it's all just driven down this soul route to, to give you some entertainment and make it fun. The combat is very very basic though, Um, it's a third person shooter but the auto aiming is very powerful and very easy, you've just got to be within a couple of inches on the screen and it will probably lock on and start shooting the enemy on target. But for me this is okay because if it was any more complex than it is then I think you'd have a bit too much on your plate because the game actually revolves more around the style in which you kill enemies rather than the amount you rack up. Essentially, the more you grind, the more you bounce, and the more you hop, whilst killing enemies, the more you are rewarded, and the more powerful you become. Stringing together these combos is the best way to increase your style meter, and in turn you're compensated with some upgrades to your weapons and your character as a whole. Speaking of the weapons, there are lots of them, and they're pretty wild and wacky. For example, the latest weapon I've unlocked is essentially a grenade launcher, but instead of launching grenades, as a, as a normal one would do, it launches teddy bears strapped with dynamites. Now, I'll leave you to, to judge whether that's any good or not, but that's what you're dealing with here in Sunset Overdrive. It constantly and shamelessly breaks down the fourth wall, reminding that you're playing a video game. But it's a great change of tone to the ultra-sort of realistic games that we get these days. And In having that sort of style and that structure, Sunset Overdrive understands a lot of the frustration that these games have. So you're not going to be forced to replay big chunks of the level again. And when you do die when you do fail a particular objective, the game pokes fun at you and in a light-hearted way it doesn't frustrate you. I like the way that it's set out and the way it's structured. It certainly is a great change and, and a welcome one as well. But what I don't think is that Sunset Overdrive is going to be everyone's cup of tea. Because... At the end of the day, it's downright silly, and it doesn't resemble anything in the real world. So there's always going to be that that type of audience that's going to be turned off. But so far, as an out-and-out video game, it is top-notch. So, Sunset Overdrives Before the Bell rating is going to be a silver. Um, Watch this space for Sunset Overdrives' official grading, which will be revealed in its After the Bell video. Thanks very much for your time and for for watching this. Um, Nothing more for me to say apart from ta voice recorder's got to be around here somewhere. Hello, welcome to Sunset Overdrive After the Bell. It has taken a little while but I have completed the main story campaign and I'm in the position to give this game its official after the bell grading. Sunset Overdrive places you in an open world city called Sunset City. A new energy drink is released called Overcharge Delirium XT. and it's created and made by a corporation known as Fizco. Apparently Fizco didn't carry out any due diligence because everyone that drinks overcharged Delirium XT ends up turning into violent mutants and this causes Sunset City to go to shit pretty much. You're tasked with escaping from the city and you'll be fighting against three enemy types along your way. You've got the mutant creatures known as the OD You've got SCABs, which are essentially looting and murdering human characters, and Fizco's own corporate protection robots. As I'm saying this, I am very aware that it sounds like a piece of nonsense. And truthfully, it is. It is absolute nonsense from start to finish. However, at no point does Sunset Aerodrive try and pretend to be anything other than nonsense. And that's why it works. It sets out to deliver a fun and entertaining experience where you can just lose hours messing around blowing shit up and traveling across the city. The game revolves heavily around movement and particular grinding and bouncing off of objects. Try and run around on the actual ground to kill your enemies and you'll be put down pretty quickly so you have to keep on the move and preferably up somewhere higher. It did take a while for me to get used to how things work, but once the penny dropped I was stringing together traversal combos and taking down enemies just like that. Um, the combat is very basic, that, like I mentioned in the Before the Bell video, it doesn't get any more complex as the game goes on. but. Elm Reflection I certainly wouldn't have it any other way. It just works so well with the movement mechanics and it's fantastically fun just going from point A to point B and achieve something that many games, uh, particular open world games suffer with that you get bored of just going to A to B and you'll be using the fast travel function. Now there's fast travel function here in Sunset Overdrive but I must have used it probably a handful of times at, at the most. A game like Shadow of Mordor I was using the fast travel function to go anywhere and to me that speaks volumes for for how entertaining and good this game is. The story missions are actually pretty good and well thought out. Um, I won't go into any details in case I spoil anything but all you really need to know is that the missions are varied in structure and the tasks that you are asked to carry out. The fact that the game is so wacky definitely helps as there is no creative restrictions on what they can get away with. Anything goes and Insomniac Studios take full advantage and deliver some brilliant missions. It's the same for the story. Um, The story is mainly drivel, if I'm honest, but it fits so well with the theme and tone and structure of the game that, to be honest, you can't really fault it. I will warn you, though, it's a wacky comedy at the end of the day, so don't expect anything other than that from Sunset Overdrive. It is humour, 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 and obviously it's going to have high and low points in it. There's multiplayer in there but i'd say this is probably the weakest part of the game again that could be down to my preference i'm not a particular big multiplayer game gamer rather Um, it's co-op focused and you essentially go out with a group of people there'll be six to eight of you in a a party as as such you'll go out and carry out quests to build some points up and at the end there's a big sort of defensive horde mode it's not particularly engaging but i think if there's a group of mates that you're playing this with it'd certainly be a nice distraction um, it's coming to the point now where Sunset Overdrive is going to have to be given its grading. Um, so, what is Sunset Overdrive going to get? Um, it it certainly will switch some people off with the tone of the story, the characters that you meet, and just the entire premise. Some people are just not going to like this, but. I am not some people and the point of these videos is for me to give you my opinion and not try and predict how the masses might receive these games. Once I got the hang of Sunset Overdrive because it does sort of overwhelm you at the beginning I have to say I enjoyed every single minute that I spent in Sunset City. It's a brand new IP that brings fresh ideas and gameplay to the open world genre. The blend of movement and combat works seamlessly and creates such satisfying gameplay. The story isn't going to be for everyone, but for me it clicked and fits in well with what Sunset Overdrive sets out to do. And the result? A fantastic video game. Sunset Overdrive's official After the Bell Grady is gold. So there we have it. Sunset Overdrive lands itself a gold grading. To, to put it simply, it was just terrific fun to play, and it was it's such a fresh change from playing other games where it's all too serious. There's you know it's all or nothing. It's just all oh, the stakes are so high, and this was just a nice game just to sit there and play through, not having to worry about all that shit. Enjoying the odd sort of joke they threw out there that it worked, and some of the ones that didn't work. You know that can't be helped, but. You know, it's something new, something fresh, something exciting, and I enjoyed it. I clicked very well but it after a few hours and was getting, I thought, the most out of the game, playing at a half-decent level, and you just feel like a superhero when you're playing it. So it's good. It's very good. It gets the gold. Titanfall is the only other game that's got a gold grading, and that means that both the games that I've rated the highest uh, are both Xbox One exclusive. So that tells you a story in itself. Um, Sony, pull your finger out, we want to see some new IPs, some new games and some good some good games, you know, some good exclusive games to warrant having both of these systems. Um, what's up next? What's up next is Assassin's Creed Unity, that's the next sort of reviews that will be before the bell and after the bell that will be coming. I'll be posting a video on Pro Evo 2015 because I've purchased that over FIFA and it would be a simple video explaining my reasons why I chose that and and didn't go to FIFA this year so I'm not going to do a full review on that, I'm not going to do a full review on Halo or GTA because they are remakes of old games and that's sort of what I do, I don't don't like to do older games that I've already played or old games that are rehashed so I'm not going to be doing those Um, Far Cry 4 is coming out, Dragon Age Inquisition I still haven't played The Eagle Within it's all kicking off now so there's plenty of stuff for me to be getting on with and enjoy so I'll be looking forward to going through them just to let you know I'm not gonna rush through any of them though. I do want to play them at a steady pace where I get the most out of the game and enjoy it because I think that gives you guys the sort of the better videos and my, my best opinion when I'm playing it as it should be played, not trying to force my way through the game. Podcast. The Dimp Digital Podcast went live last week. The feed is I put that up later on in the week, so it should be out on iTunes, Stitcher. If you've got an app on your phone, you should be able to find it now because the RSS feed is up. If you subscribe to that, it'll automatically download the new episodes when they come and they're going to be coming every other week. Some weeks there may be um, back-to-back episodes, but the ones with Josh Josh and Chris are going to be coming every other week, provided I can get them lazy bastards to do that every week. Um, but yeah, we're just going to be talking shit about video games and it's, it's just good fun and we've all, all wanted to have a go at it for a while, so tune into that if you're interested. It should be a good crack nothing more for me to say here, um, I'll just mention this, yes it's not a new look I'm going for, it is for Movember so it is for a decent cause um, if you want to donate you can do, I'll put the page at the bottom of this uh, description in this video so just click that and it will take you to the page if you want to give some money towards it, if not don't worry I'm not going to kill you, um, that's it then, Assassin's Creed Unity is up next um, some gameplay videos from Halo, GTA I imagine FIFA v Pro Eve, I'll be doing that as well, so that's what's in the pipeline, and once we get to the end of Unity, sort of an after-the-bell review, I'll see where the chips lie and what I'm going to plan to do next, but thanks very much for your time as usual, and ta-da! Welcome to Assassin's Creed Unity Before the Bell. I've just about played enough to give you my early thoughts and a provisional grading for Unity. As always though, let me start with my cards on the table. So just the first thing to say is that I've played every console version of Assassin's Creed apart from Rogue which is only being released on the Legacy consoles. I've not played that but I've played up until Assassin's Creed 4. Another point is that I should mention that I am starting to get a little bit fed up with the franchise if I'm honest, Um, there's no way there needs to be an Assassin's Creed game every single year and I I sit there and and slate people for buying COD year in year out but to be honest this is just as bad really, although it offers a big single player story usually the the terms of the mechanics don't seem to move on that much, Um, it's worth keeping that in mind that I'm starting to get a little bit of franchise fatigue. Thirdly, um, I'm playing this after Ubisoft had released Patch 2, which I know corrected some of Unity's higher-profile bugs and issues, so I didn't experience probably it as bad as what some people do when they played it straight away on launch. Um, I'm playing this on the PlayStation 4, and I've played it for about 3.5 hours, 4 hours. So Assassin's Creed Unity is an open-world stealth action-adventure game. Um, after playing through the game's rather long prologue, you're given free reign over the densely populated city of Paris, which is set during the French Revolution. One of the major omissions from Assassin's Creed 4, and what's not in Unity, is the pirate theme and the naval mechanics. And I find this quite a bizarre choice, because... That was one of the major positives of Assassin's Creed 4, in my opinion, was the the naval theme and its mechanics. I certainly loved it, and I was a bit disappointed to see that it was dropped for Unity. But uh, there we go, that's what Ubisoft have served up, so that's what we're going to be dealing with. Unity itself, well, it's, it's, it's been blasted for having some technical issues. So frame rate drops, bugs, there's all sorts going on apparently. I personally haven't experienced too many bugs or noticed a, a disgusting frame rate drop as of yet. Now maybe it's because playing on post-patch 2 has sort of, you know, allowed the game to run a bit better or maybe I've just been lucky I'm not paying attention properly but I can't really dump on it about, you know, being technically flawed because I've not really experienced any any major problems with it what I can dump on it about is the fact that the the AI is poor really Um, it just feels so dated and basic and they they just haven't evolved this part of the game for a long long time guards, they follow the same patrol routes, uh, they stand looking at walls for 10-15 seconds sometimes, just waiting for you to sneak up and choke them out. They, they can be pretty oblivious at times and, and, and the difficulty becomes that there's normally a lot of them, not they they carry any form of actual challenging intelligence. If the AI do discover you then you'll either be plotting your escape using the much improved free running mechanics or take them head on with some combat. Now combat wise, I, I like the change they've made. You, you can no longer slay 10 people in one go all at the same time it's much much tougher and requires some decent timing and when you've got more than one enemy to deal with, you've really got to have your wits about you using your parrying and your dodging to open up some time to to give them some punishment back it's a definite improvement and there's actually some punishment from being spotted as I'm I'm dying quite frequently so you've sort of got to be a bit more of an assassin trying to sneak in undetected rather than going in all guns blazing which I ended up doing nearly all of the last games eventually once I got used to it and I said in terms of the free running mechanics I think they're definitely a step up the design of Paris really lends itself to, to you getting around and, and Arno is a very competent parkour practitioner from the get go I mean got no idea how he's learned all this but he can scale up buildings and jump over things as soon as you get hold of him so he must have had a very uh, very good upbringing to be able to do that he's, he's got quite a leap on him and it feels like you can make gaps that you couldn't do on previous assassin's creed games and i'm finding that there's less sort of suicide jumps so he won't just stupidly jump off a building or jump off a castle that's gonna make you land on the floor and, and, and end up in an early grave the game blocks it and won't actually cause him to jump off unless there's, a, there's something for him to get on the other side and I find that just having little blockers like that certainly makes the whole game less frustrating because on previous games I was finding myself accidentally jumping off buildings several times and ending up dead which you know probably was my fault but you know they've, they seem to have corrected it and tried to make it a little bit more accessible here Paris feels like a, a live and, and a lively environment an actual sort of live world the, the NPCs are busy getting on with their lives protesting or or making just some, some large on-screen crowd situations for you to get through, it's definitely a step up from previous games and it feels like a, a real actual environment, but what I don't find is that Arno feels part of the city, people just don't really take any notice of him or you, uh, when, you when you're walking around, unless you, you start a fight and start killing people, it, it just feels like the player a bit disconnected from the city and is not really part of it. So I'll I'll leave the story side quests and online and the campaign missions for the after the bell video once I've got my teeth into them and and, and completed the main story. But as it stands now, you know, Unity it's another another decent addition to the franchise. Does it feel like a a new current gen exclusive? No, not quite. Um, I was expecting some big things that would set it apart from the from its last gen cousins, but. It's not really there. Um, it feels very samey in that we've, we've done it all before. Combat and free running is as good as it's ever been, but the sloppy AI and the complete removal of the naval and pirate theme, you know, that's what's gonna punish Unity for making a big splash for me. As such, Assassin's Creed Unity's provisional before the bell grading is bronze. Make sure you, you tune in for the after the Bell video where I'll be giving the game its full review, but um. For now, thanks very much for your time, and tada! These are the words spoken by our ancestors, the words that lay at the heart of our creed. Stay your blade from the flesh of the innocent. Hide in plain sight. Never compromise the brotherhood. Let these tenets be branded upon your mind. Follow them and be uplifted. Break them at your peril. Rise, Assassin. Arnold Dorian is dead. He has been culled from this world. His sins and failures turned to dust. Tonight he is reborn. A novice of the Assassin Brotherhood. Hello, welcome to Assassin's Creed Unity After the Bell. I've battled my way through Ubisoft's latest instalment of the Assassin's Creed franchise and I'm in a position to give Unity its final After the Bell grading. So, where do I start with Unity? Um, As I mentioned in, in Before the Bell, the free running and combat mechanics is probably the best that the series has had to offer. The only drawback of the combat is that the camera does its best to sort of cause you issues, and the enemies will often come from off screen to to land a killer blow on you. Perhaps the uh, the combat prompts cause should take a leaf out of the Batman series and have these over your character's head. And that's only a minor gripe, it's just a, a way of perhaps designing it in the future I think would be good. Um, the side quests are in the form of Paris stories and they offer a great diversion from the story missions. They're, they're well structured and offer some diversity there which is good to see. The online co-op is, is okay, it's, it's it's good but... Unless you're playing with a friend, you're always going to be at the peril of, of the online community, so it does depend who you're partnering up with. About two-thirds of the main story missions are actually pretty good. They, they offer variety, and the, the big assassination missions actually have a structure and offer various ways to, to complete them. Now, you obviously only have one target, but you can p- complete mini-quests that might offer you keys to locked doors to make your job easier, distraction opportunities, or, or support from distractions. Gruntled locals and it's it's, a, it's great for the most part because it certainly is the best you know that the franchise had to offer in terms of assassination missions um you get you, you can take things out in a different way and you can use the the tools around you or you cannot so you, you're going to have different ways that you can approach these which is good S- Speaking of the story itself it, it's decent i think it's actually pretty good um the, the main point is that it, it doesn't mess around with the current day antics which is a big plus for me because i feel like that part of the arc was getting out of hand having the story pretty much streamlined set in paris and following arno through his story definitely plays into unity's hands and that's where unity's positive stop unfortunately the, the rest of the game is a bit of a sham if i'm if i'm totally honest the the load times are utterly horrendous so I actually thought I was firing up my old Commodore 64 when I first tried to get into the game. It takes so long to boot up. It's an utter age to, to get the thing going. Fast travelling. No, not fast travelling at all. It should be called slug travelling because it takes fucking ages to get moving on that. And when you die on a mission, you are, it's, it's annoying to start with, so you're frustrated. But you're left twiddling your thumbs for ages waiting to respawn. And it's poor. And, and maybe we've been spoilt by by quicker load times but I just expect a lot better out of these new consoles to be honest it's clearly not optimised the way it should have been now as I mentioned about two thirds of the missions are quality um, but there's a handful where, where it's nothing but frustrating these are towards the end of the game um, as with most of your tasks you have, to, you have to infiltrate like an assassination mission you have to infiltrate a certain area so this could be a castle a base or perhaps a mansion now there's usually only a couple of ways to get in and trying to get in undetected isn't easy because of the sheer amount of guards as I said on the before the bell they're not intelligent but it's just the numbers that will get you down once you've finally found a way to get in um you've then got to identify a target now again these 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 map areas are quite big and you can it's not easy and you can spend 15 minutes just getting to this stage so it's utterly frustrating when you get inside and that arno decides to control like it's fucking octodad um it makes it very difficult to stay hidden and and he's very very clumsy when he gets indoors i don't know what they're playing at there not only that i had one instance where the target i was hiding behind the door saw me through the door and i was then savaged by 10 guards and killed not the end of the world, you'd think. Oh wait, no. There's actually no checkpoints when you actually enter the and, and, and infiltrate the area, so you're actually bumped back outside the infiltration area and got to then work your way in again. So I've got to then spend another fifteen minutes trying to get into the place. That's to me, that's terrible design. I don't want the games to be easy. I don't want them to be just a breeze through. But when you spend fifteen minutes of stealth just trying to get into a place, it should checkpoint. Then it's it's not good. And I even instances where I've where I've killed the target. And then died on my escape because all the normal exits are just coming in locked magically. And I then, after dying then, I've then got to go back and do the whole lot again. That is very very tedious and as the difficulty cranks up it just becomes a bit of a joke really. There there's bugs and they and glitches and they become more and more obvious as you play. NPCs pop in, textures don't load, people just randomly disappear. It's it's all basic stuff it takes you out of the game itself. The cutscenes have them too. Every time the camera cuts to a new angle, sort of the loose bits on the characters' clothing flap up and down as though they've been held up and down and dropped it's so bloody sloppy um i won't spoil anything but the last target on the campaign mission was even glitched and that is totally totally not good at all it's it's pathetic really other small gripes um you know despite it set in paris everyone's got an english accent all the sound effects are the same they've been for the last five years the database is still in text there's there's loads of information there and it's probably quite i'd like to enjoy to get some of this information but I'd sod sitting there the reading it they need, to, they need to take a page out of mass effect and have have this stuff narrated there's, there's there's enough power on these consoles to have this put in now um and it's just very very frustrating overall the game i mean i mean all in all the the, the few positives that unity offers are heavily hampered and flushed away by the array of negative issues it's a step back from assassin's Flag, uh, sorry, black flag in most ways, but do you know what annoys me the most? Is that most of the negative stuff and the negative points of race are probably avoidable. However, because Ubisoft want a game out every year, every November they want an Assassin's Creed out, and the development team clearly had no option but to release this game unfinished and unpolished. If the game was bad, I'd accept that, but it's clearly been rushed to meet these deadlines, and for me, Having a game released in this state, and even after it's patched up, it's still a state, just because it needs to meet a deadline is totally unacceptable. Assassin's Creed Unity's official after the bell grading is ungraded. Thanks for your time and time. (laughs)